So much news to talk about. The wrestling landscape continues to change in 2019, and it's only February. What's up, folks? Fred Ricciani, TSC, your home for pro wrestling news updates, reviews, interviews, and everything in between. If you're new here, we'd appreciate you liking, sharing, and subscribing. I'm here to recap the Double or Nothing rally, which took place tonight, Wednesday night. Actually, Thursday night. I'm losing losing track of time here. It's been a, a crazy month. It's my birthday month. And wow, we got some major wrestling news to kick off my birthday month. Kenny Omega signed to All Elite Wrestling. Now, for those that maybe aren't familiar with All Elite Wrestling, maybe you've missed some of our previous posts on AEW, I'll explain in a little bit. But for those that are up to speed, All Elite Wrestling, AEW, had their ticketing rally tonight. And it was at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada. I actually was there just a few months back for the Canelo Alvarez Triple G fight uh, covering that. And it was definitely a, a fun experience. And Kenny Omega, this is interesting, right? He's not just signed as a wrestler. They, the former NJPW heavyweight champion, former United States champion, the very first New Japan Pro Wrestling IWGP United States champion, former junior heavyweight champion, former six-man champion. This guy has done it. All in Japan, Mr. Six-Star Match, Seven-Star Match. He's now in All Elite Wrestling. But not only is he a top guy, but he was identified via the graphic, right, as an executive vice president. Now that, to me, is huge news. Huge news. Some would say good news because he's a great creative mind. But could it be too much? Too much control for some of these wrestlers. That's what some people are speculating. And we could dive into that in a second. But what I'd like to do first is talk a little bit about the news that we heard tonight. So the big news, of course, is the headline, the name of this podcast right now. Kenny Omega officially signed with All Elite Wrestling. So that that's huge. That was the worst kept secret in wrestling. But at the end of the day, AEW did what they had to do. They got the top free agent in the business today. Great. That's step one. Now what? Now you need to promote some matches for Double or Nothing, which is coming out in May. So what do you do? What's the biggest possible match you could do on May 25th, 2019 at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas? Broadcast, presumably, not just to the internet, but perhaps traditional pay-per-view as well. Well, they signed Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega led to record signups for New Japan World, the streaming service of New Japan, a couple years back. Yet do that. And that's what occurred. Chris Jericho confronted Kenny Omega, setting up the match. They had a pull-apart brawl, and we have ourselves a huge main event. Omega versus Jericho. Alpha versus Omega 2, taking place May 25th, double or nothing. On top of that, the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr., whatever the hell his name is these days. He's got so many different names due to legalities, but I'm just going to call him Pentagon Jr. because that's what I know him as. And his brother, Ray Phoenix, taking on the Young Bucks. It's not official official yet, but considering the Bucks took a pile driver on the concrete, yeah, I'd say that's probably going to be official. We, we had the OEW crew from China doing their thing. We saw some highlights and Shima and his team are going to be taking on SoCal Uncensored. That looks like one badass match. Wrestling legend Aja Kong, even though she was still active, she's going to be appearing at Double or Nothing. And it looks like it looks like they are setting up Adam Page and Pac, aka Neville, to be one of the top matches at Double or Nothing. So wow, some some good stuff here. AEW also announced that. that they will be partnering with AAA, one of the top Lucha Libre promotions in the business. Been around for quite a long time, and that, that's a good partnership for them for sure. Uh, Lucha Underground, for those wondering about the restrictive contracts, well, I believe King Cuerno and a few others, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet, are suing Lucha Underground to get out of their contract. So, knock on wood, when this actually does get to court and Lucha Underground is found to have incredibly shady and BS business practices, knock on wood, when that occurs... All these wrestlers that are unfortunately tied to Lucha Underground, whether it be Cuerno or Joey Ryan, among others, will be free to sign with whomever, and presumably, they may sign with AEW. Just a lot of news 
Kylie Ray signed with AEW. She's a, a standout performer and came off extremely, extremely likable in that press conference. Yuka Sakazaki has signed with AEW, at least for Double or Nothing. I'm personally not too familiar with her, but from what I understand, she's a heck of a worker, according to my Twitter machine. And hopefully by that, I could pronounce her name right. My apologies for that. It's been a bit of a long day. Uh, we had Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, hype up some people, introduce the AAA junior champion, Sammy Guevara. Not too familiar with him. I've read a lot about him. I've seen some highlights. Uh, he most recently, I, I think it was him, posted a video of him doing three Canadian destroyers in one match, which seemed a little obscene. But, hey, from what I understand, he's a hot, rising young talent. Although, I got to say, with all due respect to the young man, wish him the very best. He cut this promo that, I don't know if he stole, stole from the Dolph Ziggler, you know, uh, catchphrase book or whatever, but he was just cutting this promo saying he's, he's the cruiserweight champion, which means he's not just one of the best uh, juniors in the business. He's one of the best wrestlers in the business. All right, kind of generic, but makes sense, right? And then he, he just pauses and he goes, at double or nothing, I will steal the show. And... Maybe I'm just getting old. I'm almost. I'm gonna be 30 in Jesus Christmas nine days, and I, I feel old. Maybe it's just me getting older, right? But I am so sick and tired. This isn't picking on him. This is this has been going on with WWE more than than with with this kid. I'm so sick and tired of wrestlers saying they want to have the best match. And and look, Kenny says he's the best bout machine. That's tongue in cheek. That's whatever. Okay, he uses that for marketing. That's fine. When one guy does it, that's fine. When it's like Kenny Omega and like Shawn Michaels, that's fine. Especially when they're good enough to do that. And especially when they also talk about their desire to win. First and foremost, Kenny Omega always talks about New Japan, when he was in New Japan, his desire to win. But when wrestlers are talking about, I'm going to steal the show, and I'm going to steal the show, I'm going to steal the show, I'm going to steal the show. Like, talk about the win. Say, I'm going to win. Say, a double or nothing, I'm going to kick somebody's ass. I'm going to win. I'm going to steal the show and all your hearts and show you guys why I am the best. And whether I'm the first match on the card, in the middle, or the last, I will prove to you guys why I am the main event. Now, you don't have to cut that exact promo, but be nice. I'm just tired of this. Okay? I'm, I'm tired of this. Yes, you want to have some style points. Steph Curry's the man. Steph Curry kills people on the court. Wins championships, wins MVP awards, goes to All-Star Games, and he does it while entertaining us and entertaining himself at the same time and his teammates. But first and foremost, he wants to win. So minor nitpick, just something uh, you know I would like to see from, from wrestlers. Far too often I see him. You know, and it's one thing if this was just like a non-kayfabe promo, but you know, he was cutting this in character. And I don't know. When he used that Dolph Ziggler line, I was just like, damn, man, like go get a tan like Dolph. But anyway, I wish him the very best. Minor nitpick. So, yeah, also announced is the SCU After Party. So SoCal Uncensored, which is Frankie Kazarian, Christopher Daniels, and Scorpio Sky, they're going to be hosting an after party, kind of similar to what you know UFC fighters do after fights, win or lose, or draw. And, and so they're going to be having that at the MGM, which is pretty pimp. And the pre-sale for Double or Nothing is now available on AEW's website, which is alleliterestling.com. Now, from what I understand, the site crashed. I'm actually going on their site now, AllEatWrestling.com. Looks like you could sign up. Okay, I'm clicking now. Oh, actually, it's open. So it will be open for the duration of the weekend. Pre-sale codes will be sent on February 11th, starting at 9 a.m. Pacific. Pre-sale will begin February 11th, 12 p.m. Pacific. So keep that all in mind. MGM Grand Garden Arena, I believe the capacity. Let's see the capacity here. I believe it's like 15,000, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, 16,800. So give or take, let's say we set up for wrestling and the special effects and all that stuff, about 14,000. Given the crowd that they had tonight, given the buzz that they've had, given the fact that All Elite Wrestling has about roughly 300,000, okay, 300,000 subscribers, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll be all right. I, I think I think they'll be all right. And actually, you know what? While I'm I'm checking this here, I might as well go on their his go to my YouTube watch history and, and just check what that video's done up to this point. Because I saw concurrently 
it had about 50,000 viewers. So let's see. Ollie Wrestling. Uh, okay, 46,000 views so far. 46,000 views. Probably going to have a lot more after, after that. Uh, but there are some questions, right, that, that we have. And it's not just how's the rest of the card going to shake out with double or nothing. And, and by the way, guys, I uh, will be getting to some of your uh, questions in, in a sec. But we have some questions that you know, I've, I've been asked from people and talking to friends in the wrestling business, right? First things first, are there too many cooks in the, in the kitchen? Easy for me to say tonight. You got Kenny Omega, who's apparently a vice president. You got Cody Rhodes, who's a vice president. You got the Young Bucks, who are vice presidents. You got Tony Khan, who's a wrestling fan, who seems to have surrounded himself with some very smart people, wrestlers and non-wrestlers who are very knowledgeable in the business. He hired Chris Harrington, who's written for a number of sites, who's broken down numbers for WWE. He's known as Mookie Ghana on Twitter. One of the smartest people I've seen break down WWE numbers, WWE business. He's got some very talented men and women around him. Brandy Rhodes is the chief branding officer who's on the lookout for great women talent. And, oh, I should also mention, too, longtime New Jersey pro wrestling product, Sonny Kiss, has been signed by AEW. Love the signing. Sonny Kiss has a, a great act, and uh, it's, it's, a very, it's a very progressive signing. I dig it. And he's somebody that's been under the radar for a while. From what I understand, he actually appeared in Lucha Underground, I think I heard. I was scrolling through my Twitter. Some people say he appeared in Lucha Underground or was set to appear. I don't know. I mean, if a tree fell, falls in a Lucha Underground force and nobody's watching, does it exist? I don't know. But I know he's been busted his ass on the indies for a while. He's wrestled for Capital Wrestling. I mean, I remember seeing him in NWS. I mean, I've, he's been around for years, years, and he's finally getting a shot. So for a guy like him, who's as original as him, who's as hardworking as him, and I don't know him personally, but we have mutual friends, unbelievably happy for him. So I got to say, Tony Khan, the Khan family, they are doing a, a great job so far of putting some personnel in place that know wrestling and have their finger on the pulse of what's hot right now. Because the Young Bucks, whether you like them or not, are draws. Kenny Omega, whether you like them or not, is a draw. Cody Rhodes, a draw. They sell a lot of merchandise on ProWrestlingTees.com. They sell a lot of merchandise at Hot Topic. They sell a lot of merchandise for ROH. They sell a lot of merchandise for New Japan and any independent promotions they worked for. They sold a lot of tickets as well. They sold a lot of subscriptions to New Japan World and the Honor Club, which is Ring of Honor's streaming service. But can it work on a bigger scale? So before I get to some concerns, some more concerns, uh, somebody here asked me, Fred, can you explain a little bit about All Elite Wrestling? Yeah, long story short, to break it all down, we did several videos on this, including when it was officially announced on January 1st, literally like 3 a.m. Eastern Time. Ali Wrestling is a promotion started by the Khan family. The Khan family, Shahid Khan, a.k.a. Shad Khan, and Tony Khan, his son, they run the Jacksonville Jaguars. Tony Khan, Shahid Khan's son, runs the analytics department, and they also own a Premier League team as well. And I apologize because I should know what the team is, uh, but I'm blanking out. Okay, Fulham FC, which from what I understand, not that great of a team right now, but... Hopefully you can turn things around. But still, it's no when, when you own a team in the Premier League, uh, from what I understand, that's, that's no joke. So they're worth a whole lot of money. They're worth more money than Vince McMahon. They've obviously had success in sports. Granted, the Jaguars, other than that season where they went to the AFC title game, not that great. But at the end of the day, they're successful businessmen. And from what I understand, they are making a profit on the Jags and everything. It's not like they're losing money uh, on them, although they might be losing money on, on Blake Bortles' contract. But they'll probably cut him. Or, or something with them. So, uh, yeah, uh, Tony Khan, from what I understand, is a longtime wrestling fan, a longtime wrestling observer subscriber like myself. He's a bit older than me. And, uh, of course, you know, in a family business. And uh, he's been overseeing the Jaguars, overseeing Fulham FC, and been doing his market research. And I believe that the catalyst for All Elite Wrestling was All In. All In was... Sort of a super indie show, independent show, put together by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer tweeted out a couple years back in response to a fan's question, you know, I really can't see Ring of Honor selling out a 10,000-seat arena right now. I just can't. And that was reasonable. That was a, a reasonable, respectable answer because I think the record attendance for Ring of Honor at the time was like 6,000. And I think it was that, that was for... The Hardys versus the Young Bucks in the ladder match before the Hardys made their epic return, surprise return at WrestleMania 33. So, Cody Rhodes said, I'll, I'll take that bet, Dave. 
and they proceeded through that show, Being the Elite, which is a very popular YouTube series, to promote it and say, you know what? Let's do All In. So they booked the Sears Center in the Chicago area. It sold out in 30 minutes, over 11,000 fans. And behind the scenes, Ring of Honor ended up getting involved, and, as well as New Japan, and uh, I believe like Lucha Underground and AAA, all, all sent talent. And it ended up being kind of like the WrestleMania of indie shows. You know, even at Jerry Lynn, an independent ECW wrestling legend, you know, being one, of, being one of the referees. You had Rey Mysterio on the show. You had Pentagon versus Kenny Omega. Chris Jericho made a surprise appearance. Hell, the NWA title was revitalized due to a series of great viral YouTube videos and, and, and really well done produced YouTube videos by Dave Lagana and Billy Corgan of the NWA. And Cody Rhodes actually beat Magnus, a.k.a. Nick Aldis, to win the NWA world title, which was Pretty freaking awesome. If you haven't seen the show, you can actually watch it on New Japan World or Honor Club. But here's the, the crazy thing, right? From what I understand, Ring of Honor owns that footage. And at the moment, All Elite Wrestling ain't working with Ring of Honor. So it's kind of crazy that their version of WrestleMania isn't even owned by them. But anyway, to get to the point, January 1st, it was made official after rumors uh, we're, we're circulating uh, from various outlets. I believe Sports Entertainment Scoops was the first to kind of report that Jericho and, and maybe Jim Ross would be involved with, with you know, some kind of new promotion that has a lot of money behind it. And it was confirmed by Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks that All Elite Wrestling is a real thing. And then they later had a rally where they announced the signing of Chris Jericho. And according to Dave Meltzer, Chris Jericho signed for a huge contract that may not be Brock Lesnar money, but just below Brock Lesnar and John Cena money or in that level which is crazy money to think about. Also reportedly, the Khan family has allocated $100 million for this company. $100 million. They even put out a press release where Shad Khan said that, yep, I'm running things. It ain't just going to be my son. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And uh, he made it sound like that there's other investors. So while the Khan family is probably lead investors, I would, I'd like to assume that there's probably other people involved. And uh, there are rumors, of course, that they will sign a TV deal and not something on a small network, but something major. Rumors going around that they may have trademarked Tuesday Night Dynamite. SmackDown's leaving the Tuesday night time slot to go to Friday nights uh, on Fox in the fall. We'll see what happens there. But yeah, uh, as far as competition goes, are they really competing with WWE? From an overall business standpoint, no. Not yet. Too early to tell. But from a money standpoint, from a driving up the value of talent standpoint, from a free agent standpoint, whew, you better believe it. It's, yeah, I almost want to compare it. You know, they're not spending recklessly, I think. But you look like The Zone, the, the, the streaming app that has the boxers and everything. And, and you look like ESPN Plus, the other arm of ESPN, spending a lot of money for UFC and top-ranked boxing. I mean, they've come out of the woodwork to really, you know, breathe down WWE's neck and even breathe down Ring of Honor's neck. So, yeah, very interesting stuff. So before we get to uh, some other talking points, let's get to what the people are saying online on the live stream. Sour Luck says, just a little more star power, and I think they will take off. Interesting, interesting. Okay, yeah, I think so. I mean, look, Chris Jericho already to me, I think, is a, is a, is a, is a huge star for them. Kenny Omega, you know, top free agent, but... You could make the argument, yeah, they're probably going to need some more star power to reach a mainstream audience or present wrestling in a radically different way from WWE and one that resonates with the audience. Now, Sean Rossap of Fightful reported earlier this week that Randy Orton would be interested in talking to All Elite Wrestling and the Usos, there's fear that they may be leaving WWE after being in the company for over a decade once their contracts expire in April. Uh, the Usos kind of seem surprising just because, you know, their their legacy. You know, they're part of the legendary NOI family with you know, related to The Rock and Roman Reigns and you know, countless others, Yokozuna and, and everybody. And so for, for them to leave, yeah, that, that'd be, that'd be kind of huge. And in the grand scheme of things, is it going to make a huge dent for WWE? Unfortunately, with the way tag team wrestling is in WWE right now, probably not. But look, you can't replace reliable, great Ironman workers like them who have come to work day in and day out and been consistently great. You can't. You can sign some guys and call them up from NXT, but I mean, the, Uso, the Usos have a cachet with the audience, right? They have a built-in relationship with the audience, and honestly, I think they can go to AEW and become instant main inventors with the Young Bucks, and 
they do one one hell of a job. In the case of Randy Orton, I I would like to see Randy have a change of scenery. Some people are groaning, oh, Randy Orton. But you need some guys that at the end of the day know how to work. And it's not to say that the guys in All Elite Wrestling don't know how to work. But there's a big difference between a guy like MJF, who's really good for his age, and an all-time great in Kenny Omega, right? There's a big difference between the young bucks who have been doing this and doing it great for a long time, and some of these other people, these other cats, they may be signing that are pretty good, but I've never been in the spotlight, and you don't know how they're actually going to perform. And Randy Orton's a guy to me that he's not only one of the all-time greats, he's somebody that could really help bring up a lot of young guys and you know, teach them how to work and how to work safe. Because, I mean, other than him wrestling Mustafa Ali and accidentally stopping his eye out, which was a complete accident, Randy Orton's a pretty safe worker. Although people on my Twitter machine say he's not, he's not safe, which I, I think is kind of dumb. But do I think Randy Orton would leave WWE? No. I don't think so. I think w, whether you whether you agree with how WWE looks at Randy Orton or not, I just can't see them having Randy Orton leave. I just can't. I could see them paying Randy Orton a lot of money to stick with the company because he's a 13-time, 14-time world champion, whatever he is at this point, triple crown winner, grand slam winner. I mean, he's one of the three, four biggest stars they, they've made over the last 15, 20 years. So I can't see that happening, but if it did... That, to me, would really open the floodgates. Jericho, that's huge. Don't get me wrong. But he's, for the most part, he was, for the most part, part-time. And he may still be part-time. And from what I understand, he's going to be allowed to work with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So he's not just all Elite Wrestling exclusive, but they will get first dibs. But Randy Orton, a guy of his stature, as kind of still a borderline full-timer in WWE, that, to me, would open the floodgates. Or AJ Styles, whose contract reportedly expires in April. I can't see AJ Styles leaving either because... He's still really active. He's a huge WWE star. WWE wants him. Frankly, I think in, in some ways WWE needs him, especially with Roman Reigns out. And he's on the cover of the video game. And I don't think WWE wants to have that conversation with 2K Games, paying him all this money for the rights and saying, yeah, um, so we're going to have to change the cover mid-year. I don't think that's going to happen. I said what I said, says, that's the real name. This has click vibes written all over it. They're all VPs. Yeah. The last time there were that many VPs or, you know, executives or wrestlers of WCW didn't end so well. Although I'd like to think that these guys, especially Cody Rhodes, whose dad actually worked in WCW, are smart enough to learn from the mistakes of the past. Lux says maybe they'll land the Usos, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and CM Punk. CM Punk's an intriguing one. I think he really did hurt his value in the UFC. From my understanding, he's still financially secure, although he's had to spend a lot of money between the WWE lawsuit, between being sued by Colt Cabana for not covering his legal fees, and allegedly they had an agreement and everything. Uh, I, You know, why not, right? Here, Here's the problem with CM Punk. I feel like he's alienated a lot of people, and he's just come off like a miserable prick, and maybe he has a right to be, honestly, after all the stuff he's been, been dealing with. But I do feel like he's hurt his value. That being said, one or two matches with Punk... Kind of like what Jericho did with New Japan Pro Wrestling, I think would absolutely be money. I, I really do. And, I, and if you were to bring him in, I wouldn't even have him cut a promo. I just bring him in. I just have him attack people. I do maybe some vignettes and everything and just build it up, build up to, you know, hearing what CM Punk has to say. Maybe even putting out in one of their, like, their shows like Double or Nothing or something. You know, he doesn't necessarily have to wrestle all the time, but hey, I, I'd want to tune into a pay per view to see what CM Punk has to say. That wouldn't be the only attraction, but. That definitely could be one thing. Or, you know what? Even do something like a sit-down interview. Go old school. Do like some kind of sit-down interview where it's just like an interview series hyping CM Punk and why he wants to return to All Elite. Something like that. But I really would like to see CM Punk back in the ring where he belongs. But it, you also got to factor in this, too. He did fight twice for UFC. He did get tagged a lot. And while he was cleared by the Athletic Commission, this is also the same Athletic Commission, or the, the same... Sport where an athletic commission cleared Chuck Liddell. And uh, then Chuck Liddell got brutally knocked out and they decided to suspend him medically indefinitely. And from what I understand about CM Punk, he had concussion issues as he was leaving WWE. And then, of course, naturally, he goes to a real sport in MMA and got his ass handed to him. And that can't be good for the brain. So one would think, one would hope that he's still in great physical shape and that Knock on wood, he's not dealing with any effects from past concussions, but 
you know, that is something to factor in. I don't think a lot of people are talking about. They're like, oh, what about CM Punk? What about CM Punk? It would be great if he could wrestle one or two matches. But to think that he'd be a regular performer, I don't know if he wants that. And quite frankly, we should be asking the question, can his body at this point handle that? We'll, we'll see what happens. Do you think Dolph Ziggler will ever leave WWE? He's had multiple chances. And I low-key think that Vince McMahon kind of sort of, while he respects him in a sense that he's always been a reliable performer, I also get the feeling that Vince McMahon kind of looks at him like, ha, he just wants to be on the treadmill. Like he, for years, it's the same thing with Dolph Ziggler. Gets a push, gets buried, disappears off TV, comes back. Gets the Intercontinental title, loses it, buried, comes back, gets a push. Wins the U.S. title, comes back, gets pushed, gets buried. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And again, while I respect his career and everything he's done, and look, financially speaking, he's doing great. So what the hell can I say? But from a creative standpoint, I could see some people in the company going, okay, you're just going to stay here. You're not going to do anything about it. I know he's been vocal in the past. I don't know how vocal he's been in recent years. But, you know, you look at a guy like Drew McIntyre. He left. He proved himself. Vince McMahon gave him a lot of money to come back. You know, WWE low-balled AJ Styles years ago. He said, okay, F you guys. Went to Japan, did his thing, came back, making a lot of money. Uh, sometimes you got to get the hell out of there or say no to get their attention and have them come back and give you what you want. But again, again you know, Dolph Ziggler's been in a good spot for a lot of years. And you, know, you, you can't blame him if he's comfortable. It's his, it's his life, you know. But it would have been nice to see Dolph Ziggler go to the Independence a couple years back. Maybe go to Impact, go to ROH, go to Japan have some fun matches and, and come back. Cody Rhodes, oh my God, perfect example. Left WWE and now it, it's almost like WWE had a great draft pick in Cody Rhodes who they kept on the bench and didn't develop properly. And then he goes to another team and he's absolutely phenomenal. It's like the Falcons trading Brett Favre, you know, back in the day, not knowing what they what they had with him. Only instead of having Brett Favre for a year or two, they had him for like 10 years and they didn't do anything with him. So, yeah. What do you think about Hideo Itami now that he has left WWE? Uh, Kenta, okay, Hideo Itami is an interesting one. I gotta believe that, you know, they have some type of handshake agreement that he's gonna go back to Japan and he's not gonna sign with another company in the States. I don't know how WWE can legally enforce that unless they made him sign something in writing. Uh, but I'm, I'm just excited to see him back. I'm just excited to see him back in Japan and his element in Noah. I know Noah recently got sold. So I don't, I don't know what what's gonna happen there, but if if he could go to all if he could go to New Japan or All Japan and have some great matches and be somewhat of the Kenta of old, yeah, that's gonna be fun. And we've seen some flashes of brilliance of him in the last couple of years. I mean, that match with Bobby Roode had a takeover was really good. And the matches he had with Mustafa Ali and that Royal Rumble match were really freaking good. But he just hasn't looked the same since he came to WWE, and it's injuries. I'm sure it was the morale, too. Being depressed, a lot of unforeseen circumstances, you know, his physique kind of deteriorating because of it. Uh, being in the 205 Live purgatory where you can have great matches, but it doesn't necessarily mean much if nobody's really noticing. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's been in the States for a while now. He was at least in a few video games, and he did make a couple, you know, appearances on the main roster on Raw and stuff. So I wish him the very best, but I'm, I'm not going to miss him in WWE, and I'm excited to see him hopefully back where he belongs in Japan. It would be great to see him in AEW as well, but, you know, if you're AEW, you don't want to take on too many guys and girls from WWE. Hideo Tommy, I think, is somebody who was underutilized enough where you could sign him, but, for example, like Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, who just won his Bellator debut, he'd be a cool get. But I, I don't know. If you have, you have too many guys that were perceived as mid-carders in WWE, that might be a little too much, and you might get some TNA vibes, and I don't, I don't think AEW uh, wants to do that. As for a guy like Dean Ambrose, who was confirmed to be leaving WWE in April, he's a guy I would absolutely throw big money at. But if I were him, I might want to lay low a little bit because he was brought back on Raw after the announcement by WWE following Pro Wrestling Torch breaking the news that he's leaving. He was brought back on Raw only to be ridiculed by Nia Jax and beaten by EC3 in short order in a pretty nothing match. Not only that, but he was dressed like he was a dude like that just came back from a bender with Disco Inferno. And so I, I think what they're going to do is going to be devaluing him. And look, it's, it's they're right. He's leaving. Why not? You know, they don't want him to go to the competition. I think they're going to be devaluing him. Uh, personally, I'd keep building him up a little bit. And I would have had him put EC3 over at WrestleMania. 
or some other young guy over WrestleMania. Even like Apollo Crews at WrestleMania. I mean, this guy's a former WWE champion, but they want to bury him or I guess mess with him since he reportedly hates hokey shit and they're making him do hokey shit. Pardon my language. And uh, yeah, I, I, I guess uh, he'll eventually be bound to AEW or somewhere else. If I'm Dean Ambrose though, and they keep making me do his hokey shit, I think what I'd do is lay low, count the money I got, maybe go to Japan, be out of sight, out of mind for a lot of the you know casual fans, and then maybe, just maybe, when AEW does get a TV deal or has it at least officially set in stone, it's, let's assume it's a big TV deal, then go to AEW or, dare I say, maybe do ROH if ROH is going to continue to spend more money and, and, and what have you. But he could, I could see him bound to AEW. I don't know if I'd want to bring him in right away, and I don't know if it'd be the best idea for him to come in uh, right away. You could have some type of handshake agreement that says, hey, you know, lay low for a little bit. We'll bring you in. We'll agree his terms, yada, yada. We'll see. But I think a motivated Dean Ambrose, he's in shape now. He's in great shape. But a in shape and motivated Dean Ambrose, all elite, or New Japan, I think he could do fantastic. Okay. Um, not one hot chick at that pool party MGM. Who cares, dude? It's a pro wrestling conference, man. If you want hot chicks, go watch like MMA and see the ring girls. I don't, what do you want me to tell you? Has the New Day signed with All Elite Wrestling? No, they have not, my friend. Who else do you see in the AEW women's division? Who else would I like to see? That's, that's really tough because Tessa Blanchard, who I, I think is the top prospect for women's wrestlers that aren't signed to WWE, she signed with women, the Women of Wrestling group on Access TV, which is funded by Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Lakers. So I think she's going to be there for a while. But honestly, I think, I think the top women there, uh, I like, uh, uh, what's her name? I like Santana Garrett. Santana Garrett is great. I think she's improved so much from her time in TNA. And she was decent before she got to TNA. I think it was, she was named Brittany in TNA, where they had her play that crazy girl that was with Sam Shaw. Uh, she was just not good in TNA. But although I feel like TNA, for some people, other than like EC3 and others, uh, really is like one of those like places where it just brings out the worst in people or did bring out the worst in people. And I feel like it brought out the worst in her. And then she went back on the independence, did her thing, ha- had some really good work, worked at the Mae Young Classic. And yeah, I'm really surprised that she wasn't signed by WWE. I know they have plenty of women, but she's got a cachet with the indie audience and she's very well liked and she's a second generation wrestler. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would, I'd like to see her on a maiden stage, but she's got a nice spot in Women of Wrestling. They're not getting a lot of viewership right now. I mean, Access TV doesn't have clearance in a lot of places, but at least she has a spot in a company that's got money being pumped into it by, by Genie Bus. And we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they could grow over time. But I would like to see her involved. Definitely Tessa Blanchard, as I mentioned. Um, Taya Valkyrie, I mean, really just take the, take the Impact Wrestling Women's roster, which is being viewed by nobody right now because nobody gets a Pursuit channel and nobody's watching Twitch. And just put them all in all elite wrestling because they're, they're great. I mean, Taya, Santana from WoW, Tessa Blanchard. You can even throw Sue Young in there just to eliminate some of the hokey, hocus pocus crap. Allie. Like, I'd lo- love to see all of them over there. Lure Gail Kim back for a couple matches a year. You know, maybe come in as a consultant. I would like to really, really see that. Um, you know, help bring back Angelina Love, a name from the past. You know, she was really good for a while. I'm not, I'm not sure what she's up to these days. I know she's been doing the convention scene, has wrestled, you know, here and there. But I haven't seen a lot of her uh, recent work. But she's somebody that's a veteran and has some popularity at times. Lisa Marie Verone, aka Victoria, aka Tara. I have no idea why Debbie is. I don't want to say unofficially banned her, but just not used her on all these women's shows and you know the the, the women's Royal Rumble and Evolution. Like it's, it's very disappointing to me. Bring her in. They're bringing in Aja Kong. Bring in Victoria. Uh, somebody else I'm forgetting. Oh, Melina. That poor girl. Uh, look, she's known to be a little out there. You know, she was not exactly well-liked in the locker room. I'm not going to use the term locker room cancer because I hate that term. Uh, but, you know, there were people in the past, you know, when she was in her prime that intimated that, hey, you know, maybe she's not good for the locker room and causes a lot of drama and bullshit we don't need. But she's a legend, man. And I, I think... At least the one-off with, with Melina and Victoria and Gail Kim and some of these legends that aren't a part of the WWE fold would be really good. Neither a double or nothing or or a, or a future show. But I got to say, WWE has recruited a ton of women. They have, what, 
two, three, three dozen women signed on the roster between main roster, NXT, NXT UK. And now they're doing like an, another search for, uh, you know, the next uh, female superstar is kind of similar to a diva search. Yeah. I mean, they, they got, they got a lot of people. Um, you know, I, I know ring of honor is women of honor, but I feel like, and I, granted, I don't watch a lot of ring of honor right now, but, uh, from what I understand that women of honor stuff has really died down, especially since they lost the, you know, Deanna Perrazzo and, and some others to, to WWE. J mail says, I don't like Dean Ambrose. He reeks of WWE plus WWE owns the name Dean Ambrose. Yeah. J mail. I look, I like the Ambrose signing. He doesn't have to be Dean Ambrose. He was John Moxley. I don't think a different name will kill him. I mean, he has some cachet with that name. It's from years ago, but he still does. I think most people when they see his face will know it's Dean Ambrose, whether he's called Dean Ambrose or not, and we'll know the deal. He does reek of WWE. I agree with you there. And I, and I will say that the guy has not had particularly great work for years. Uh, and Okay, maybe not years. Let me rephrase that. I have not seen a great Dean Ambrose singles match in maybe two years, maybe three. I've seen some decent matches. I'm not trying to shit on the guy because I'm a fan, and for people that have listened to my show for a long time, know that I pegged him as the guy. Okay, I thought he could be the next Steve Austin, maybe not at the level, but in 2014, after the Shield broke up, he had the potential to be that next badass superstar. And naturally, WWE with the light, like, like a lot of guys, they screwed up with him, and he did eventually get the WWE title, but two years too late. And, uh, you know, he was kind of made a laughing stock for a little while, had a nothing icy title run. He got some momentum back with the shield and then he got injured, came back, had momentum again with the shield, had that nice mysterious aura about him. And then they decided the, br- the brilliant idea of, Hey, let's give him a storyline where he makes fun of his best friend's real life cancer. What the hell is that? Right? So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm, I'm again, this is not to be insulting this is to just be genuine here my opinion give me my opinion and really think out loud here when was the last singles match not tag match with the shield not triple threat match when was the last great dean ambrose singles match that you can actually think of oh wait roadblock 2016 february 2016 three years ago against triple h for a wb title he might have had a, a, a I think I think before Battleground 2016 he had a match with Seth Rollins I think on the SmackDown after the draft that was pretty damn good. Uh, but I mean okay the AJ Styles matches were pretty good but I, I I didn't feel like they were at the level of some of the other AJ Styles matches but realistically speaking let's 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 think on this has he had a what you would consider like a great singles match one on one. Since like 2016, maybe 2017. I don't, I don't think so. And I'm not crapping on him, okay? Because I don't, I don't think it's all him. I think it's some of the storylines. And when you're putting with guys like Baron Corbin, it's kind of hard to have a, a good, ma- a great match with him, and everything. And he's been putting a lot of hokey bullshit and a lot of stuff with tag matches. But when he was a single star, like, you know I mean, he had a streak where he had some good matches, like Triple. He had a great feud with Triple H. He had some great matches with Kevin Owens. He always had great chemistry with Seth Rollins, even if finishes were kind of awkward. And then there was a period where not only did they make him a joke, but you sense something was off in the ring. And maybe, you know, I, I don't know. He could have been banged up too. Whatever the case may be, I'm not in Dean Ambrose's head. I'm not in Dean Ambrose's body. But all I could say is from like, after 2016, there was like a drop off in his work. Could have just been injuries and, and low morale. And it's understandable. It really is. He's been one of the reliable workhorses of WWE. But yeah, I, c- I could see if you're somebody, uh, Jay Mill, that's watched Dean Ambrose in recent years, say, you know what? I don't want the guy because the dude's been freaking <laughs> subpar for the most part when he's not teaming with the Shield or involved with the Shield. I will agree with you on that. Uh, but I do think, again, a healthy, a rejuvenated, a motivated Dean Ambrose can be one hell of a talent and one hell of a get. All right, let's get to some other stuff. Um, how about how about new viewers who are foreign AEW and talent? When people look in the crowd, they want to see attractive people in it. Otherwise, you feel guilty for not liking the product, or you feel guilty for liking the product. This business one on one, dude. Have you seen some of the? I'm not hating on you. I'm just I'm just counterpoint here. Have you seen some of the crowds at the NFL games, in the Super Bowl? I'm 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 just saying. 
I'm just saying. I think I may, I may be able to throw some uh, cold water uh, on that theory, my guy. Okay. Alan Wu, what's up, brother? He says, JDB went back to the Super Show format after the brand extension, which means, you know, they combined the, the brands. This convo about having too many cooks in the, ki- in the kitchen is completely polarizing. It is the nature of wrestling. You only have one main event or two, but you want to fill, the ca- fill a card uh, as much as you can, especially with injury bugs going around. All right. Somebody says the pool wasn't properly used tonight. Yeah, you can, you can make the argument the pool the, the, the pool was, it wasn't used. Somebody should have been thrown in. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe they'll save that for, for down the road. I actually would like to see them have, like, a show like Club Lavella, like the WCW Nitro Spring Breakout from back in the day. Uh, that, that'd, be, that'd be pretty cool if you ask me. Uh, but, yeah, the cooks in the kitchen. Oof. This is, this is a one thing that I think is a major concern for AEW. Let me take a sip of water here because this is a big talking point. And by the way, uh, my buddy Scott Anderson who normally hosts these podcasts with me. A little under the weather tonight, so I want to wish him the very best. I also want to just real quick send a special shout-out to one of our listeners, one of our loyal viewers and a loyal friend. His name is Freddie Mitchell. He unfortunately is, and he's releases publicly, so I hope he doesn't mind me talking about this. He's having heart problems, and uh, they found some fluid near his heart. And really no joke, and from what I understand, he's had a heart surgery before, and uh, you know it's been a rough going for him this week, so... Just want to say, Freddie Mitchell, we all love you, brother. I love you, man. I'm praying for you. May God be with you. And uh, best wishes, much love, much strength. And, hey, when you get back home from the hospital, rest up and watch as much wrestling as humanly possible because, brother, you deserve it. All right. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Here's why this is a concern for AEW, I think. I believe that Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, Tony Khan, they all have the best intentions. They all really do want to change the world, change the universe. They all want to change wrestling for the better. But here's the thing. All these guys, while they are selfless to an extent, are alpha males or alpha dogs. Meaning, at some point, egos could clash. Each one of them, when they go out there, believes they're the best in the world. And that they can perform better than anybody else. And that's why they've gotten to the top of the food chain. But what's going to happen when they're in a role they've never been in before? Creative. What's going to happen when these guys that they're friends with, like, say, MGF or Adam Page or, uh, I don't know, throw out another name, SCU, right? What's going to happen when they creatively disagree? What's going to happen if Shad Khan, the man who's really writing the checks, walks in and says, you know what, guys? With all due respect, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. What's going to happen when they're part of a network? And the network says, hey, guys, um, you know, you might want to throw less super kicks. Or we don't like that storyline. Or this isn't progressive enough. Or this is too risque. You know, you don't know if you're not put in that position before. On paper, you could say, oh, this guy will be a great GM. This woman will be a great VP. But you never know until they're actually in that role. You know, you get a guy for American fans watching and listening to this podcast. Tony Romo. He is a phenomenal commentator in football. This guy is like, I don't know, like the rain man. He predict things. It's crazy. He's like a zen. He's calling, he's calling like, like these defenses, these plays in real time. You know, Tom Brady going to throw to a wide receiver in the right, and five seconds later, they throw to it. He throws to a wide receiver. Like Tony Romo is like a, a genius, a guru. But that doesn't necessarily mean Tony Romo tomorrow could be hired as the head coach of, say, the Dallas Cowboys, and that might be a better hire than Jason Garrett at this point. And that doesn't mean Tony Romo can go to the Cowboys and all of a sudden be a great head coach. Okay? There are certain circumstances, like in the NBA with Steve Kerr, but Steve Kerr also inherited a great team. And actually, Steve Kerr's predecessor, Mark Jackson, if I recall correctly, was never a head coach either, and he happened to inherit a great team and helped develop a young team, which is now a powerhouse. So in the NBA, to some extent, we've seen that. Jason Kidd had some success. Great player, Hall of Fame player. Transition to head coach. I don't want to say seamlessly because he certainly had some issues, but they had some success. But that does not mean that works for everybody. You know, people in WCW said Kevin Nash. Oh, he's a, he's a great creative mind. Oh, he's, he's a smart guy. He's got a lot of ideas. What happened? He got the book and uh, yeah. Well, WCW went out of business, and not all his fault, of course, but some of his decisions, 
did send it into a creative and, and financial uh, tailspin. So you never know until somebody's in that role. It could go the other way. Okay? Google, it could go the other way. Matt Millen, legendary player. He was a commentator for uh, the NFL for years and years and years on NFL broadcasts. People said, wow, Matt Millen, that's a, that's a smart guy, great analyst. He knows football. Detroit Lions hired him. What was the product of that? Eventually, an 0-16 season. Winless season. First team to ever go 0-16. It can go both ways. And there's going to be ego involved. You know, the buck stops with the Khan family. You know, these guys have freedom and it's great. And I'm not saying that, that they don't know how to book their own angles and they don't know how to get themselves over. Being the elite, the show, okay, proves that these guys can do their damn thing and can get fans interested. But they, they talk in business and marketing as a term called scaling, right? Now you're going to have to scale for a larger audience. I think if you've proven you could draw 5,000 fans, you could draw 15,000 fans. If you've drawn 15,000 fans, you could draw 25,000 fans. If you've drawn 25,000 fans, dare I say maybe you could draw 50,000 fans. They have a proof of concept. Okay, They have proven that they can sell out in a few minutes in 11,000 seats arena. I think they could definitely sell out the MGM Grand. But it ain't just about live attendance. It's not just about merchandise. That certainly helps. But for the amount of money they're investing, which is about $100 million, they're going to need to do more than that, and they're going to need to cater to a bigger audience. And that might mean certain things that they like, like Joey Ryan's penis, which I'm personally not a fan of. Uh, that stuff might not fly on a mainstream level, right? Intergender wrestling matches. Some people like them, some people don't. I'm indifferent. I think it's fine in certain situations. I, I know Daddy B did it with Nia Jax a little bit at, at, at the Royal Rumble. Uh, you know, that may not fly. They got to they got to they got to scale their expectations and, and they got to cater to a more of a mainstream audience. So look, they have three hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. That's no joke. They got a you know a, a silver play button award for all the other subscriptions from YouTube. That's no joke. They sell merchandise and arguably make around seven figures in merchandise outside of WWE. That's no joke. Uh, but the keys here are are a few things. First things first, TV deal. If they get a big ass TV deal that covers that $100 million and then some, you know what? They got some leeway. They got some room to work with here. Uh, but you only get one chance to make, make a first impression. But half the battle is getting that TV deal and getting one that pays, not just relatively well. Like, like I think, I don't remember the exact number, but I know it was like a few million Spike TV paid for Impact per year outside of also covering production costs and helping with signings like Kurt Angle and Sting. Okay, big help. But can AEW... Coming in cold, I don't want to say cold, but you know, cold to like meetings, like you know, being a new a new product. Can it get remotely close to whatever Debbie's got in the last 15 years? Let's just say like, let's throw a number out, 30 million a year, right? In this TV landscape, is that conceivable with the contacts the cons have? Maybe. That's half the battle. Getting the time slot, getting prime time, that's great. Next step is catering to that audience and I think they all have a similar vision but I do get the feeling that Cody Rhodes has more of a kind of like an old school approach to pro wrestling you know like he, he's done some things but you notice some of Cody Rhodes' matches with Kenny Omega and the Bucks and everything while they're great matches you know he does look a little off doing some of like the kind of more modern spots the high spots and things like that I mean I remember I watched Omega versus Rhodes uh, the ROH uh, WrestleMania weekend show last year and I thought they had a great match well worked match and then their follow up match at New Japan Pro Wrestling I thought it was kind of, it was a great match, but a lot of unnecessary spots, like a table bump where Cody Rhodes almost broke his neck and a superplex off the ladder, even though it wasn't a ladder match. And so I could see some conflict there as far as like, okay, like when to do this, when to do that. They're all great workers. They're all great workers and, and, and they're all best friends. So I think ultimately they could figure it out. But again, it's not just them running things. It's not just Brandy Rhodes running things, especially with the women's division. It's going to be Tony Khan. And who knows? Maybe some other investors. And again, when five people are VPs, as far as the corporate hierarchy, on paper, we know who answers to everybody or, or who everybody answers to, the Khan family. But as the company gets structured and, and, and the rosters are filled out and different roles are, are, are put together and everything else, and, and job discretion, descriptions are hashed out, who's in charge, right? I've worked in places where 
there's an executive, there's a VP, there's another VP, there's a director, there's another director, and yeah, there's a big boss, we all know, that's like the VP, but, you know, back in the day, he was out of sight, out of mind, so you don't really see him. So then it's like, who do you go to? You don't really know. Is it this person? Is it that person? Is it that person? You know, it's kind of like uh, TNA, uh, TNA Impact, like, uh, in Storyline. They used to have, like, these storylines where, like, uh, I think Dixie Carter was, like, the owner, and then Sting was the commissioner, but then you had the network that was in charge, and then the main event mafia was in charge one week, and then MVP turned out to be an investor. And, like, you know, there are some companies that I've worked for in the past, uh, thankfully not right now, but in the past, where it's like, you know, who's really in charge? And that could happen in AEW. They are a startup. That could happen. That being said, say what you want about the Jaguars and, and the soccer team's records, you know, on the field. Off the field, I'm pretty sure they have a structure. You know, they have a GM. You know, they have, a, a, they have scouts. You know, they have executive vice presidents. They have certain coaches. You know, they have a, hi they have a hierarchy. So I'm assuming that they're going to establish that type of hierarchy in AEW. But again, wrestling is an incredibly unique business. Wrestling is also filled with a lot of egos and some incredibly thin-skinned people. This generation, I think, is a little bit better than the past ones, but at the end of the day, when you're dealing with alpha males and alpha females and people that perceive themselves as the best and you give them some power, things could clash, you know? I love me some LeBron James, okay? One of the best of all time. Maybe the best player of all time. But LeBron the GM, I don't know if he's as good as LeBron the player, right? You know, or the unofficial GM. So we'll see what happens. I do think, though, that is a, a major concern. But so far, so good. Look, they've done everything right at this point. They've gotten a lot of unique talent. Getting talent from Mexico. Getting talent from China. They're probably going to get some talent from Japan. They're acquiring uh, lots of awesome female talent. You know, Brandy Rhodes she is really looking to, you know, diversify the roster and everything, which I love. I love it. And I, and I think this is something we can't overlook, too, okay? The Khan family's Middle Eastern. Brandy Rhodes, chief Brandy officer, is black. Why does that matter? Besides the fact that I think representation is important. I think the management, and, and Cody Rhodes has shown this, too, and the Bucks have, and Kenny Omega has as well. You know, being in a, in a pretty progressive storyline with Kota Ibushi, you know, maybe they're lovers, maybe they're tag team partners, whatever. I, I do feel like that, that they could potentially be more progressive in their storylines now they present the LGBTQ community and women compared to WWE. WWE, I think they're doing a hell of a job pushing Becky Lynch. I think it's great that women's wrestling is at the forefront and it's probably going to headline WrestleMania 35. But let's keep it real. You can only have so many times when men, especially older white men, are writing for women. I mean, there, for every great Becky Lynch segment, there's awkward segments where, where Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey are getting each other's faces and then Ronda's chasing her saying, wait, be my friend. There's Dana Brooke with awkward dialogue. There's Alexa Bliss fawning over, over EC3 and just looking at his awkwardly baby-oiled belly button. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's just... You can tell... You can tell that WWE is not comprised of a lot of women on the writing side of things based on how some of the women are portrayed. You know, I don't mind Mandy Rose being the hot chick. That's her gimmick. That's fine. You know, I don't mind Scarlett and Impact being the hot chick. That's her gimmick. She owns it. That's great. But, you know, there are times where I feel like WWE storylines of women are just, and in general with, you know, women, minorities, it's just the usual tropes. You know, the usual tropes, you know, black guys dancing. You know, women have to be seductive or whatever, or they only push a certain type of woman, you know, that happens to be blonde and busty and whatever. Nothing, and look, nothing wrong with pushing those types of women, but you want to you wanna have variety. It's 2019, right? So I, I am confident in Brandy and in the Khan family that I do think we will see probably the most progressive roster in North America when it comes to pro wrestling on a major scale, other than maybe MLW, which I think is doing a great job tapping into that Hispanic audience with being sports and the Spanish stations for uh, being sports. So that's something I think we, we should all be, be excited for, and you, you'll see a lot of different talent. Um, and, and you know what? They may actually push luchadors the right way, because contrary to popular belief, even though Rimster was gone from WWE for a while, WWE actually did have some Hispanic stars that they could push, and Make into marketable main eventers, and well, we've seen what they've done. They, they think some. Uh, there's been times where they've been like, "Oh, Jinder Mahal is Indian. Let's make him WWE champion." Never mind the fact that he was a jobber for five years. Let's just make him world champion. That'll work in India. And then they go to India and they have to cancel one show. 
merge it into a super show, and then have them lose to Triple H. Yeah. For as progressive as WWE has become, and as progressive as Triple H has helped WWE become to an extent, still got a long way to go. That's all, that's all I got to say. But so far, so good. Great organic marketing by All Elite Wrestling. Doing the social media thing. Having the Being the Elite series. You know, getting a lot of buzz. Acquiring the right talent. And I think slowly but surely, you know, by the end of the year, they're going to form one hell of a roster. And, and I guess this will be another discussion for another night, guys. But what's going to happen when they get TV, right? Is, is two hours a week, is that really scalable? They have the talent for it, probably. They have the resources for it. But is it going to be the best thing for them? Would it be better to maybe do an NXT format where you do one hour a week? You keep things simple. You have maybe one great main event, TV main event a week. Don't give too much away. And then you have quarterly specials similar to NXT TakeOver. You could do that. You might want to do that. Uh, I think in, in some ways, less might be more for the time being. You know, get, give them an hour. See how they do. If you're, if you're a network, give AEW an hour. Maybe sometimes an hour and a half. Give them an overrun if it runs long. Have them go live or taped, whatever. If it does well, then maybe you can expand it to two hours. But I, I don't know if I'm keen on any wrestling promotion, no matter the talent, having a two-hour weekly show when you're going to have three-hour Raw still, two-hour SmackDown. Let's say NXT ends up on FS1. Maybe 205 Live ends up on FS1 as part of the Fox deal. And, and, you know, to top it all off, if you're somebody that's a, already a hardcore fan following AEW, maybe you watch Ring of Honor on the Fight TV app or on Sinclair. Maybe you watch MLW and be in sports. Maybe you watch New Japan World. Maybe you watch New Japan on Access. I mean, there's a lot of wrestling, a lot of content out there. And if you're somebody like me that's also a, like a regular sports fan and watches pro football, watches a lot of basketball, occasionally watches soccer. Of course, I watch a ton of MMA. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like boxing, I love. Like there's only so many hours in the day. So look, look, we'll see. We'll see. I, th- I think, ha- again, half the battles getting a TV deal. And if they can get a TV deal with, for significant money, you know, uh, I think they could certainly uh, figure out the rest. Uh, before we go, though, uh, let's get to uh, a few more questions here. What do you think about the Sunny Kiss signing? I think it's great. He's been an awesome talent for a lot of years. I think he's been very overlooked. And I'm, I'm just very happy for him as a guy from New Jersey as well. I'm, I'm extremely happy, and I think he's going to do great things. Hopefully it's not a one-off. Hopefully he is a sign for good because I, I think he can uh, turn a lot of heads. Hey, Ryan Great says he's currently my favorite entertainer in all of wrestling. Yeah, he, he's awesome. He's really underrated. I know Naomi of Deadly is a big fan. My good friend uh, Candice uh, Cordelia, who works for uh, Capital Wrestling, just absolutely adores him. And, again, anybody that's interacted with him will tell you he's a very nice guy. I, I may have met him briefly once when I covered one of the, like an indie show in the past, but um, again, real you know from what I understand, real nice guy, hard worker, and yeah, I think I, th- I think it'll it'll be it'll be a fun time. Okay, let's get to a couple more questions here before we go. Who's the biggest signing you see AEW making next? That's a good question. You know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb. It's not really much of a limb. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that AEW is going to bring in Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi is not officially under contract with New Japan. He's only signed short-term agreements with WWE in the past in New Japan. I can see him coming in and teaming Kenny Omega, his best friend and, and golden lover tag team partner. As far as full-timer, man, I don't want to put anything to bed because anything can happen with the kind of money they're throwing. I'm going to say AJ Styles stays with WWE. I'm going to say Randy Orton stays at WWE. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say, man, you know what? I'm going to say WWE keeps the Usos. I think WWE is going to keep the Usos. I could be wrong. I think WWE is going to have to pay them. But I think they're going to keep the Usos. Revival, are, are, I think they're still under contract for like another year. They're not going anywhere. Mike and Maria reportedly requested their releases according to Ryan Satin, and, but they were denied, so they're staying. Not that I think they would be like a huge get with all due respect to them. Big next big signing. Yeah, I think I think Kota Ibushi is probably probably the one. The the one next. I can't I really can't think of anybody else off the top of my head right now. Again, I'm not saying AJ and, and Orton can't entertain those 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 options. But I'd say Kota Ibushi and then down the road, again, I wouldn't sign him right away. You know, if I were him on sign right away, Dean Dean Ambrose, I, I could definitely see. But I want to use them judiciously. You know, you don't want to use, if you don't need to be on TV every week, don't put on TV every week. Ronda Rousey, 
great talent, been phenomenal for being a rookie in wrestling, but you look at the ratings, they're not doing great. And, you know, frankly, I think they might, the ratings might be a little bit better if she wasn't on TV every week. Make her an attraction. And I, all right, I think, I think that's all, guys. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this breaking news podcast, the Sports Quarter podcast. Just to tell you a little bit about us. If you're new here, we cover pro wrestling news, interviews, reviews, and everything in between. We have a ton of interviews of various celebrities in combat sports, sports, and even entertainment. I just recently interviewed Big Pussy, a.k.a. Vincent Pastor, of The Sopranos, among other guys. I've done interviews with Walking Dead characters and plenty of others, so please feel free to check us out. The Sports Courier Podcast, which is our flagship podcast, this one right here, airs every single week. You can watch us on YouTube. You can watch us on Facebook.com slash Courier, And you can listen to us on SoundCloud.com slash News. Or you could just search TSC News on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and now Spotify and Stitcher. So we're pretty much everywhere. Or you could just Google my name, Fred Ricciani, TSC News. You'll find what you're looking for. Breaking news updates, interviews, features, you name it, we got it. We also do uh, plenty of video game reviews as well. And uh, I think it's coming up on the time to do a new review of the WB Network because they've added some features. So feel free to check all those stuff out. If you like WB 2K, this might be the channel for you too. Anyway, I appreciate you guys checking me out. I'm going to go get some water because uh, I'm, I'm starting to lose my voice here. Whew. Anyway, until next time, everybody, thank you so much. Get well soon, Freddie Mitchell. Much love to your brother. Much love to my man, Scott Anderson. Get well soon. And until next time, as always, enjoy the matches. <laughs>